This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. You're hearing from Coal March and Triangle Pest Control's Donnie Shelton and PCO Bookkeepers, PCO M&A Specialist, and Turf Books Dan Gordon, as well as some of the biggest players in the pest control and lawn care industries. We're talking about what is changing in the industry and taking you straight to the front lines of what the future holds. If you're ready to grow your pest control or lawn care business, you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insiders Podcast. My name is Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Pest Control, as well as the CEO of Colmarks, where we offer digital marketing and sales services for the home services industry, specializing in pest and lawn. And also, well, hey, by the way, my Apple Watch is, is also making an announcement during this. So here, I hope everyone got that as well. So Siri decided to make an introduction as well which is always interesting. My apologies. And Dan, with that introduction, so we got me, we got Siri now, yeah. and now we got you. So Dan, would you like to say hello? Hello everyone, just for your own information, I have my technology under control, and uh, so you won't hear Siri on my side. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty interesting. All right, well Dan, we have a wonderful guest today. Uh, I obviously he is mutual clients of both of ours, and he is a wonderful business owner. Do you want to just take a moment and introduce our guest? Yes, sure. So uh, our guest today is Ron Hodgkins. He owns uh, Bello Pest Solutions. Um, Ron had uh, owned a termite and pest control company. Uh, it was an independent company that he actually sold in 2005, and then since then he's been involved with Bello Pest Solutions. Ron just completed a transaction to buy out his partner in, in Bello, and, and we're really excited to talk about how that came together. So today's topic is, you know, the, the, everything around uh, buying out a partner, uh, you know, what you're thinking, how the transaction worked, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we're really excited to have Ron. Uh, Ron, say hello. Good morning, everyone. By the way, I do not have Siri, so we won't have that type of interruption. <laughs> Don't worry. I got it for all of us. So if you need something from Siri, just let me know. Yeah, I'll let <laughs> She's you know. on point. She's on point this morning. So. If, you, if you keep saying her name, she's going to start talking to you. Yeah, I know. She's speaking English this morning. My daughter has mine on French. So. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. So, well, Ron, I tell you, I'm super excited to have you here on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Um, and I got to say, this is a topic that I think a lot of folks – um, are either part of or experienced, you know, I, I am very fortunate in that I get to work with a lot of different businesses. And I will tell you, you know, partnerships are a little rough, you know, I mean, I've seen the ones that I see that work extremely well are ones where there are clearly defined roles. Like, okay, this person is going to be the CEO. We're partners, but they're going to have the role of CEO. This one's going to have the role of CFO. The ones that I see that really struggle is where, there's not a clearly defined role. It's all decision by committee. Um, and so I think your insight on on how to unwind that if you need to is going to be very, very valuable. But before we get into that, can you just share a little bit about your background? Obviously, you have a pretty diverse background. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of how you came up in the industry and and, and bring us up to today? Sure. So I, uh, I got into the industry by an accident, actually. I was a... Uh, a truck mechanic 
working on construction trucks and I ended up going down to Texas and being a lineman for the power company. And then I came back and was working on over the road trucks and the owner of that company, uh, I think he had a few many road candies in him and he lost his mind and fired everybody. And so I was looking for a job. So I went to work for a uh, one man operator pest control company in 1984. And then in uh, January 1st of 1985, his wife called me and told me he was in intensive care. He had a stroke or I'm sorry, an aneurysm. Oh, man. So, yeah, so I had to start running the company and I didn't know anything about anything. So I would all I ever done is uh, he'd take me to a termite job and say drill here and pump this stuff in there. You know, so that's what I did. Well, now all of a sudden I had to start giving bids and go out and do, you know, residential pest control and all that. So I would knock on the door, ask the customer what they were seeing, and I'd run back to the truck and get out my PCT handbook and read to see what I had to do to solve the problem. <laughs> and then I went back up. And, and that's when I first learned that the most important thing in pest control and maybe in all kinds of service business is the service, because I found out real quickly that good service will overcome bad pest control for, you know, they'll let you, they will, uh, they'll let you, they'll let you learn if they think you're really trying. And so it worked out pretty well. Let, let me just say on, on record here, when I first started my pest control company, I never in, in encountered or encountered a bug where I didn't have to go back to the truck and open up the, the field guide. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what in the world is that? You know, you're struggling. You remember the big blue books, you know, yeah, the field guide? Yeah, yeah. I, and the field technician guide, man. I So it's, I hear you say that's hilarious because I absolutely so, remember. So let me interject when I had my company, the, one of the first things I did is I went out for a carpenter bee job. I didn't know what to do. And I sat on the roof trying to pick them off with a PT. Uh, aerosol, <laughs> and I got them all. So, so air shot is what you were doing, like <laughs> waiting for them to come by. Yeah, put yep. the missile lock on them, and then and then fire away. So, oh, all right. So, what a story. I mean, so so really, so you go to work for this guy. He has a brain aneurysm, trauma fire. Right now, you're basically running the company. Yeah. So I take over running the company. It was in the. I, I actually went to the house after it happened. And, couple of weeks into this and I thought I can't do this like they operate on their house I went to their house and the wife was there with his two little daughters and I walked in there with full intentions of, of saying I can't you know I don't know how to do this and then I looked at these three two little girls and this woman standing there and I'm like oh crap I gotta do something so I <laughs> so I just stuck it out and then I, I ended up growing the business moving it out of their house and, and then I bought it in uh, in 1988 all right so one more thing here because this is hilarious is you telling me these stories is bringing back a lot of memories i will never forget i had this picture of a bug guy with a can in my office and i had it in my office for over a decade and it was just this color crayon drawing and i would get this question they'd be like donnie why do you have this picture did your daughter draw this i'm like no because one of my customers kids drew it I'm like, why'd you keep it i'm like because it's the 500 dollars picture <laughs> <laughs> because I'm out treating this lady's house, they got no money, and, and I don't think it was bed bugs. I think it was termites or something. And so I'm, you know, I'm doing the job, and I'm like, okay, you know, I'll give them a break, no big deal. I walk through the door, and this little girl hands me this color drawing that she had colored in a picture for me, and I was like, it's fifty dollars. She goes, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, it's fifty dollars. 
And so I call that my $500 crayon drawing. So that's, anyway, that's, that's awesome. You know, you do this business long enough, you'll run across that kind of stuff. A little sure. girl leave a note on a door, uh, you know, crayon, please don't spray my room. The ants didn't do anything to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Uh, so, anyway, so going let's review what you know. we just learned. Donnie yeah, actually right. does have a heart. And <laughs> right. Oh, I buried it long ago. No. <laughs> so, uh, so, so this is so, one of those times you talked about getting off track. So yeah, yes. yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about. Uh, so how did you come to to well talk about Bello? Uh, how you got into business with this? So so obviously you sold that company, and then uh, how, how did you get involved with Bello? And, and, and yeah, I sold that company, and um, the transition didn't go as smoothly as I would have liked. So um, I found myself needing a job. So I I actually went to work uh, uh, for a company in St. Louis. So I, I guess I can say Rotland. I went to work for Rotland for a while. Uh, yeah. Mike and I. Mike, Mike was and one I of our friends. Yeah, yeah, I heard that one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so um, and in the meantime, my everybody that worked for me at the old company quit and uh, uh, wanted to start a new company. And of course, I couldn't help them because I was going to honor my no compete. And so a friend of mine um, owns a heating and cooling and uh, plumbing and architectural sheet metal company. And him and I served on charity boards together. And so he said, hey, if you guys want to start, you know, I'll, I'll help them get going. And so he got him going. And then uh, my um, no compete and everything ended uh, about a year later. And so I joined the company as a 49 percent owner. So was he um, somebody who um, was actively involved or did he just put up money or how what, what was he his was he was not. Um, he gave them a place to go and a, and a uh, kind of a infrastructure to get things going, and he put up some money. Yeah, um, and he would help with business stuff. You know, in other words, uh, helping line up things that the that the people that work for me didn't know how to do, like helped them get insurance and things like that. Now they used people from the industry that they knew from me, but he kind of helped to guide the business side of it. So oh, it sounds so like you were, you were. It sounds like you were the operations guy, and he was the inside guy. Um, what made you uh, come to the decision to to buy him out? Was he, you know, and, and and was he happy about that decision? Well, once I started, he pretty much had nothing to do with day to day. I mean, he, um, you know, I would go to him once in a while and say, "Here's what's happening," and that was about it. Because he had his own company to run, and he. He didn't know anything about pest control and really didn't want to know anything about pest control. Um, he has his his business is very large. Um, and so, uh, you know, he had in the back of his mind that maybe he would buy me out someday and turn it all over to his kids. And, um, um, you know, when I first got into it, I hadn't really given it a whole lot of thought about the transition. But the more I was into it, I realized, you know, I'm. I'm 15 now, I'll be 60 in August of this year. And I thought, well, you know, this 49% owner, I might as well be a 1% owner. It doesn't really matter. And so mm -hmm. I yeah. figured my wife and I, I got to do something to, you know, secure the future for my wife and I. And so uh, we started down the path of uh, coming up with an offer to buy him out. And um, 
I mean, we had our hurdles along the way, but it, it uh, you know, we ended up finally getting it done. It took several years, a few years longer than it should have, and I started doing it later than I should have. I should have started much earlier. So, so let's let's just talk through this real quick. You know, when I see a lot of businesses with partners, this is like the discussion. Just even bringing it up seems like to create the most anxiety for folks. Like it's almost like both are thinking it. Not to, because I mean, really, is it a divorce? I don't know. Is it a, is there such a thing as a nice divorce versus a, I don't know. I don't want to, but, but at the end of the day, it's like, hey, we're separating, right? That's a conversation that needs to be had. And it seems like to me, this is the very, most, like the most difficult, the initial conversation. So what kind of got you to that point and how did you handle that? I mean, it's nice that this, I mean, first of all, kudos to you. If this guy put up money and basically trusted you to, Okay, you're gonna run with it, go with it. Well, that's number one. He, I mean, he, obviously, he trusted you a lot. Must have knew that you were a good guy. But you know, fast forward a few years, and now you're like, okay, now it's time for me to. How did you go about having that conversation? Well, I gotta tell you, him and I were um, pretty good friends before it all started, and so I knew uh, one of my major goals was that I it had to be good for both of us, and we had to be able to keep the friendship intact, or I wasn't gonna do it. I would rather have just him bought me out and I went and did something else. I didn't want to put him in a position where or put us in a position where we ended up having problems. And so um, I'll be honest with you guys, walking in the walking, you know, turning the corner in that building to go right into his office. It took uh, it took me several starts and stops before I ever actually made the corner because I didn't know exactly how he, how he was going to react. But, at the but end this of the was day, not a divorce, right? This was a friendly thing, right? Well, yeah, yeah, but but until I came in and said, "Hey, here's it's time for me to buy you out," or or, or it's time to make a change. Hang on, I think is how I it is a divorce, there, Mr. Gordon. It's like yeah. it's not it's not like you know a, a, a bad divorce, not an angry divorce. Yeah, okay, right. that that I can get you, but it absolutely is that they're no longer partners. So so yeah. keep going. Yep. So you, no, you're, you turned you're, actually, you're you're absolutely right. I, it it wasn't there was nothing angry about it, but there's a lot of anxiety when you first broach the subject because you're trying like Donnie said you're trying to okay where is the other person at and and the worst thing that you can do and this is one thing I would try to do differently is I wouldn't have the conversation with myself before I went and had the conversation with him because you start building these preconceived notions of what the other person is going to say and then they don't say that and now you're lost you don't know what to do next so mm -hmm. um, so I just went in and talked to him and he said yeah you'd be interested in hearing what we have and what, what what my uh, ideas were and uh, and fortunately for us due to some other circumstances we had uh, evaluation done um, by the University of Kentucky they have a, a small business uh, incubator or something out there and and the, the the guy that runs that department is the son of a uh, accountant service that uh, that my partner uses for his business, and so he said, "I want to get a." He had he had us get a uh, evaluation before all this happened, and so I had this evaluation in my hand. Hang on, um, so let's back up for a moment. So you go into the office, mm -hmm. you basically say, "Hey, look, I want to either either you buy me out, I buy you out. My preference is to buy you out." He says, "Sounds good. Let's get an evaluation. Let's try to make it fair. Um, business valuation, you know, appraisal, whatever." Um, here's who we're going to use. And then after that, we will talk. Is that 
I just want to make sure. Well, we already had the evaluation. He had he needed it for another business thing he was working on. He I needed see. Okay. He needed it. And so uh, we already had it. And so the, the conversation was more like, well, look, it, you know, this isn't going to work for me long term. What is your plan? And he told me it was to turn it over to his son. And I said, well, that really doesn't work for me. You know, I don't right. want to work. I don't want to work for your son. And, I, you know, I need to do what's best for for my wife and I. And so I said, so I, I'll be happy to make you an offer to buy you out. And he said, OK, I'll I'll look at it. We already right. had the value. One question there, because I think this is important, and this is kind of more for our listeners, but, and I don't know if you had this or not, but in the past when I've done partnerships, I've always had a buy-sell put into the agreement, mainly because I want to make sure that, okay, this is the person I'm going to be partners with. If if partner A dies and then I've got the spouse and the spouse is crazy, I don't want to be partners with crazy, right? So did you have a buy-sell agreement in place? We did, and it was actually uh, what they what they told me was called a Russian roulette clause. All right, um, hang on one second. So, Dan, can you just explain to our listeners what a buy sell is? Just so I, I want to make sure we keep everyone up to speed here. Yes. Yeah, so, so basically, what Donnie just said, you don't want to be a partner with crazy. So if the wife is crazy, <laughs> you're, you know, and and uh, hey, whoa, 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 it could be the husband too here. Now we'll start. The- <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, rewind. But take two. So basically. What you do is you have an agreement uh, uh, if something happens um, that, um, you know, uh, if something happens um, uh, that, that, that something, a triggering event, the other one partner can buy out the others. So, for example, a lot of times what you'll do is you'll uh, wrap it around life insurance. So let's say that Donnie and I are partners and we have this company worth $2 million, each of us will take a million dollars of insurance out on each other. And so if I pass, Donnie gets that million and he takes that million and buys my wife out. And so that's the most common way to to, to, to make it work. So. We did have that. We had life insurance policies on each other. They weren't for a million dollars, but, you know, at the time we took them out, the company was doing, you know, $50,000. Ladies and gentlemen, they, they were actually for $1 billion. So, well, you know, and hey, that—that's. I mean, but that's a—that's a great way. I mean, to me, you know, just not to get too far down the road on this, but I—I I think it is important that if you are considering, because there are partnerships that work, but I think that's for me, that's always been a requirement that that absolutely that there has to be an insurance policy and there has to be a buy sell, and that way there's clarity. I mean, because if I mean the fact is is that life happens, you don't know what's going to happen, and hey, if your partner dies. You don't know, right? It could be a totally different game. So, no, that's great. So, continue so, there, Ryan. We're working on one. Listen to this. We're working on on one in New Jersey, and uh, one of the part, they're two brothers. One of the partners, uh, something happened, and he's paralyzed from the neck down. The other partner, the the brother, said that the guy who's paralyzed isn't pulling his weight, so he wants to uh, uh, buy him out. So uh, that's how we roll in New Jersey. So. Uh, <laughs> Dirtbag Central. Dirtbag Central. <laughs> By the way, if you're from Jersey, I'm not calling you a dirtbag, but I will say that that is a pretty dirtbag move. So anyway. Even I thought that was kind of dirtbaggish. All right. All right. Good. At least we got that. Meanwhile, back here in, in Illinois, which is God's country, 
we don't do that kind of stuff. We love it. Uh, Southern Illinois, by the way, just got to make sure that's clear. where the Dallas Cowboys uh, play. I thought that that was well. It's from Southern know. Illinois to Dallas. We'll right. So, so hang on though, but let's come back to what you were just saying there, Dan. Um, is it possible to cover? Because in this case, you know, the the brother's not passed away, right? So, is it possible to cover that case with insurance? Is this just like, well, you know, tough luck or what? What I mean, is there any way that you can mitigate that? So you can do it through like disability insurance could work, but also um, you could do this with a whole life policy. And depending on what the cash value of the, the, the policy is, you could possibly, um, you know, push it in that direction. Um, you know, there's other ways to, uh, you know, so the brother who's paralyzed, maybe um, the other brother is 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 building more equity over the years. So, um, you know, uh, but 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 still taking care of his brother. So th there's many ways that, uh, that that you can deal with it. So, OK. All right. All right, Ron. Sorry. Continue. That's on. Okay. No. Uh, so my my uh, we had the life insurance, but we also had a buy sell agreement, but it had what they call the Russian roulette clause in it, which essentially went like this. The offering person, the person who came in and says, I want to buy you out and here's my offer. Um, the, the purchase, the person who's going to sell potentially can look at that offer and says, I don't want to sell. And it makes the person who made the offer have to buy at the same rate. So when I went in to make an offer, I had to make sure it was an offer that I was willing to accept. And so that's where the at first I hated it. But the more I got involved in it, I thought, well, I actually kind of like it because it makes sure everybody's on the up and up. So hang on. Um, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I got lost there. So hang on. So you go and give an offer. That also so you, you have to be willing to accept. Yeah, so you and I, you and I are you and I are partners. Yeah. I go in and I make you an offer, and you say I don't want to sell. I want to buy. I have no choice but to sell to you at the exact same deal that I offered. Yeah. You. Yeah. That's yes. You can't come in and be like, I want your company, or I want your half, or a five hundred thousand, but I won't accept anything less than a million for my half. Exactly. Yeah. But it, but it's more of uh, I'm willing to buy you out for this much. That automatically allows him to make the same offer, right? Exactly. And the, and the, and then so in in the case with if it was Donnie and I, I would have I couldn't turn it down. I had to take it. So so what I did is I spent a lot of time. Uh, my partner and I just spent a lot of time talking things through. So before I put it in writing, I knew what he was going to accept. Right. So so that's that's the way I did that. And fundamentally there, I, I really like that. I mean, because just reading between the lines here, what he's really saying is good communication before you start, you know, brass tacks. I think that's I think that's really important. So, and and also it, it removes ridiculous offers. Right. So if you're willing to make yeah. a ridiculous offer, he'll just buy you out. Right. So. Right. Yes. Yeah. That and so I, I, I that, that it was kind of I was glad it was in there because it kind of kept everybody honest and um, not that I had, I shouldn't use the word honest we're all honest anyway but I love it when people preface let me let me let me be honest so let me be honest here real quick so real quick question did you have it clearly defined on how you would value the business prior to the partnership? Because I think that's another important point, right? How yeah. are you going to determine value? That was not in there. And and so what we just used 
the valuation that he, that he had for another business transaction. And so what I did was I call, called the guy from uh, the University of Kansas and I said, look here, you know, you did this three years ago, I need it updated. And so you had me send him my financials, which by the way, he said that the financials I get from uh, some guy named PCO Bookkeepers was the best financials he'd ever seen. And Stop so, it. Wait, 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 wait. There's going to be $100 sliding somewhere. Something cut out from your people? Yeah. In, in fact, I, I, I gave... I, I gave him Donna's name and said, call her. She'll tell you how she did it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so real quick question before we move on. Dan, is it pretty common when folks are going into partnership, which I, you know, this obviously we're talking about getting out of a partnership, but now we're also talking a lot about getting into one. Is it pretty common for folks to clearly define how valuation, I mean, at the end of the day, the valuation is what is someone willing to pay for it, right? I understand that point. But it, is it common for folks to say, we're going to use this method to value the business? Because uh, so I think that's where there's an issue, right? Partners, a lot of partners don't think about that. But when you're offering like phantom stock to a key employee, you always think about that, right? Uh, you know, so how will we value it in case I don't sell it and you, you've got to get right. out. A lot of partners, but but it's a, it's a really good point. You should have that going in and you should also have a plan like okay i'm responsible for marketing and uh accounting you're responsible for operations and uh hr you know so so that everybody stays in their lane that that's really right, right. yep all right ron well that, that's I'll, kind I'll, of what was i'm not going to stop interrupting you but this is really good stuff as you're going through it so keep going yeah i'm learning all the things i should have done <laughs> 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 so so anyway, so uh, that, uh, PCO bookkeepers will accept. So no, that's pretty yeah. much all. They, that's pretty much all they did. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I I put an offer together and uh, I I just sent it to him, not in a bona fide offer because I wanted it was more of a negotiating thing. It was a kind of a term sheet, and um, we bounced back and forth a little bit and uh, came to an agreement. And so um, it worked out well. I mean, it uh, it we closed uh, right after, well, I guess about the 15th of October, I think is when we closed of last year. And um, everything's worked out great. I mean, I uh, there was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of sleepless nights, you know, um, because at some point you start thinking, man, can I cash flow this? You know, uh, I wasn't spending yeah. this money before. I kind of think right. be because my partner wasn't taking any money out of the business. And, you know, it was just equity and all the money. So part of the deal was all the money that he gave it to start up. He had to get that money back plus the value, the value of his 51%. Right. So and so we just went back and forth quite a bit of times. And um, he said he'd send it to his lawyer and his lawyer would send it back with uh, things that they wanted and had to bounce around between my lawyer and my accountant and call Dan once in a while and panic. And Dan would talk me back off the edge. The ultimate deal killers. That's, that's what I call attorneys. They obviously have a job to do, but I will tell you that it's, it's always, I think everyone gets a little nicked up getting through the process of negotiating contracting. It's just part of the process. Yeah, but I will say though, for for me and mine might be a unique situation in that uh, there was it was never uh, contentious between my partner and I. It was uh, 
you know, I knew he was trying to do what was best for him and he knew I was trying to do what was best for me. And we just tried to find middle ground because what, like I said in the beginning, my, my number one goal, um, and I actually had this conversation with Mike Rowley before I started, I said, you know, my number one goal is to leave this thing with the friendship still intact. Because I, it, because if the if the deal didn't work for me to buy it, he bought me out. I'd have been fine. I, you know, I can go to I, work. I, think, so. I would just add. I think that's probably extremely important because you know one of the things that I see is when there's low trust, and you turn things over to the attorneys. You know, their job is to get into the edge case, and so they go edge case after edge case after edge case, and it's just like, and it's it, you know, and everyone gets all pissed off and you know people are like well what about and they're not doing this and then and then it turned so i think what you did is perfect right is keeping really good communication just to keep it big picture right and realize that there's some hills that are worth dying on and there's some that are not and and being wise enough to figure out which ones are not or you know it's like it's not a big deal right it's an edge case it might not happen you just brought up a really good point it's important that you understand how to use a lawyer Number one, they charge by the hour, so don't keep asking them questions over and over again that, that uh, you know that that, that uh, they've already answered. And number two, just remember that they're going to uncover every bad situation that can happen because that's what they do, and kind of solve for it. And that could actually bring those problems to the forefront if you don't be careful. So yes. make sure you understand how to use a lawyer. Lawyers are invaluable, but they can also, as Donnie said, they can also mess up a deal. So yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, we were, we both have had uh, plenty of dealings with lawyers and, uh, you know, I, we're in St. Clair County where there's more lawyers than there are people. You know, we get the, this, this county has a designation of the suing his county in the country, I believe for a while it did anyway, but but um, so we both understood that what we wanted to have, be in a position is to tell our lawyers what we want written in there. And if there's a major problem with it, let us know. But we didn't really need every little thing pointed out. And, and my lawyer said to me one at one point, he says, you know, you, you keep saying that'll never happen. He says, you know, lawyers make their living on stuff that'll never happen. Right. And I said, I yeah. get that. So I appreciate you pointing stuff out. But, you know. If, unless it's a unless it's a Grand Canyon problem, I'll get through it. I mean, I, some, right. some of the, some of their arguments are theoretical things that'll never happen, but right. you know, on paper they could happen. But I, I did notice that you separated the population out in, in, into <laughs> lawyers and people. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, I it sounds like so so this this partner was not materially involved in the business. So probably employees did not have any kind of relationship with him, maybe knew of him or, or did they have a relationship with him? Well, sure. Uh, we were, you know, we used to operate out of his building. We rented, we paid rents in his building. We actually moved out in 2018. I, uh, mm -hmm. I bought a building in 2018, but um, no, everybody knew him. I mean, when we would have uh, company functions or whatever, he was there. And yeah, I mean, he was, uh, he, He's pretty much everybody's friend. He's just a, he's a, you know, he's a pretty good guy and everybody liked him. But they so, still, you know. So what was the reaction when you announced that, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be the Matera owner now and partner X is now exiting the business. How did that go? Over? <laughs> well, so I, uh, when I sold the first time, um, you know, obviously didn't 
go exactly as planned when I sold the business one. And I, well, if everyone left, I mean, that's like a fart in church, right? I mean, no, no one loves it. It's like, oh my gosh, you sold, and it sounds like you went as well. That's yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I didn't. Well, we'll let that one go. But um, so I thought, well, I'm just gonna have a little fun with these people because most of them remember that because most of them are here. So I had it. We closed on a Thursday night. And so Friday morning, I told everybody we had to meet the office. I, you know, mandatory office meeting. And they all came in, and I said, as of five o'clock last night, there's been a change of ownership of this company, and the people who went. Are you kidding me? So yeah, so you're gonna get everyone anxiety, like, oh, uh, drama. I have to do that on a Monday, not on. Hang on, hang on, just just for our listeners, that's that's what not to do. Just want to be clear. That oh, now wait a minute. Now let me finish. I saw. I said there's been a change of ownership in this company, and the people who had been with through it before, that you could see them. They were their knees were buckling, and I said, oh. I said, so from now on, I am 100% owner. And man, it was the best day ever. They they oh, they, dan- they danced out of the office. So. No, I had a little good. fun. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, but that—that's good. That, 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 that you know that uh, that they wanted you to. So. Right. Yeah, they, they're they're pretty happy. So. So now. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. So this is kind of a a problem that you know a year from now it won't be a problem. But uh, one of the the you know obviously we're in the M and A business and everybody got PPP loans. What happens to the PPP loan, like, um, you know, obviously uh, it's a rhetorical question for you because we worked on it together, but when you're selling your business or buying a business with a PPP, uh, how does all that work? Well, uh, that was, that's quite an interesting ride that we're still on. So um, we closed on October 15th, if I remember exactly, but um, apparently as of October 1st, unbeknownst to me or the bank or anybody else, I guess, they passed a new rule that said that if there's a 10% or more change in ownership, I believe it's 10%, Dan, you can correct me if I'm wrong. If there's a 10%, it's 20%? Okay. 20% change of ownership in the company, then the PPP loan has, the money has to be escrowed in an account. And then when they decide if they're gonna forgive the money, they release the escrow. If they decide not to give to release, to forgive the money, then they scoop it up. And the other side of that is that in the escrow account, I also had to put in the one percent interest that I would have been charged up to that date. Because apparently, if they deny the forgiveness in that case, you don't even get the option to pay that out over time, apparently. Now that may change because the stuff seems to change daily. Um, so that became kind of a struggle because uh, when I bought the company out, I paid him back all of the money that he loaned in. And so here I am going into, you know, this time of year, which is, you know, I don't know about, about you, Donnie, but for me, this time of year right now is the worst cash flow time of the year because we're ramping up. We're getting busy, but the money's oh, yeah. not coming in. So. Yeah, no, no. It's 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 this typical cycle, right? In the in the spring, sure. you're broke as a joke, and in the and in the fall, you're fat, dumb, and happy with cash because it, right. It's, you're right. It's it's you're coming off the winter. You're all your marketing's kicking off, and it's just like, ee! you know. And then in the, in the fall, it's like, okay, everything's coming in, and you're pulling back on marketing, and 
Nope, 100% agree with that. So essentially, so, yeah. We put in the we put the money in the escrow account, and uh, they sent the bank sent the application off. Um, um, and we the, we heard that they approved. They said that we've done everything with the money that we're supposed to. So the way we spent it on payroll and everything, we're qualified there. But now it goes to another department in SBA who has to decide if the sale was okay. Um, I, I personally, you know came up with this clearly on my own, Donnie. I didn't talk to Dan about this. I came up with this idea on my own. I think we'll be fine. <laughs> Dan, <laughs> no, Dan, Dan uh, that's another one Dan talked me off the ledge. Dan, Dan would be a good negotiator because he can talk you off the ledge. Uh, I think so, therapist. Yeah. therapist. Therapist. He has that's about feelings, yes. You know, he's yeah. from Jersey. He has that, that nice touch. Tell me yeah. how you feel. It's, it's the warm fuzzy that I give off. Right, uh, yeah. Right. I mean, you absolutely bring up a great point. And I think the takeaway from this is that if you've got PPP money out and you're considering buying out a partner, you might want to make a phone call, right? Just to kind of make sure that you got it all lined up, right? Or or if you're considering selling your company, we, we probably a half a dozen or more so far, um, you're selling your company, you got that PPP, you cannot transfer ownership without escrowing that money uh, and the problem is okay where do you get the money to escrow it well turns out you could actually take it from the proceeds of the sale of your business but in ron's case he's actually buying his partner so he doesn't have the money to put in the, right the, or, or the other option is just get the forgiveness before the transaction if you can pull that off if you can. right yeah, yeah well had, had we known had we known about the rule change i might have done that but uh but the other thing is you know i it wasn't, you know, one of my options would have been to go to my partner and say, hey, you need to give me some of that money back so I can escrow. Um, and he would have done it. But I just I couldn't get myself to do it because I thought this isn't his problem. It's mine. When you when you buy a company, it's all yours. It's your problems. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and so I didn't want to make my problem his problem. So I I funded it myself. So. So now we're we're getting short on time here, and I and I want to make sure that we get to a couple more questions here, and I think they're probably key questions, and, and I think this would probably probably be the most useful question because I'm asking it. By the way, no, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> no, I think this. You know, now that it's all done, now that you've done the whole process, right? Hindsight is always twenty twenty. Things that you feel you could have done better things that you feel like that was done the right way. And obviously I don't want to get into details because I mean that, that you, mean, you could spend all day just on that one topic, but just big picture, like, you know, I'm glad I did this. Uh, I could have done this a little bit better. Any, any thoughts there? I, you know, I, I thought of, I thought about that a lot. I really think, um, and it's, it's one of those things where I, I've always done things this way and why I didn't hear, I don't know why, but, um, I think when you make a decision, you got to make a move. You can't. And I think I drug my feet out of fear mm. of what might happen. And um, I think. Uh, Ron, let me just tell you, you're pretty unique in that. Most people, when they have fear and anxiety, they move immediately. They don't they don't sit on decisions at all. So I know. just. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm weak, Donnie. I'm weak. <laughs> no, I'm joking. That is the. That is the state of the human condition, my friend, is fear, right? So, no, keep going. I, I agree yeah, with that. And I, and I think that was, 
that's one of the things I think. And the other thing I think is there were points when I started allowing um, not just fear, but um, um, I, I think I, I think there were times in the negotiation, and I, I call it a negotiation, a really more conversation, where I got caught up in, I got to make this deal happen at all costs. And I think that is something that I would caution against too, is remember that it's got to be good for you. Not, you know, I, I tend to worry about the other person in, uh, in things more than, than myself and which is not necessarily bad, but you have to balance that out. Yeah. I, I think that uh, there were times in negotiations when I gave up too much when I didn't have yeah. to, yeah. Um, but I, I still am happy with the results. I'm happy with the deal. But I, but I really believe the number one thing is I would have done it sooner. I would I would have moved sooner because I, you know, I thought about it for years, talked about it for years, and but so much so that uh, my wife and my friend Mike Rattler said, "I want to hear about it no more. Just do something about it." <laughs> so, <laughs> we have somebody like that in our one of our peer groups. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious! Just, I want to hear about it. This, yeah, and listen, I I was joking up front, but I mean, I don't know that there's anyone who owns a business that has never you know, dealt with a difficult decision, like having to let someone go. And they thought, oh gosh, I did that way too soon. Everyone has the thought, like I should have done that a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, I, I, mean, I just, every time I had to do it and, and I, and I hated it. Right. I, I remember getting pits in my stomach when I'd have to let someone go because it's just, it's a gut wrenching thing. Right. But I not once did I ever think, you know, you were just a little too quick on the gun there, Donnie. It was always like, gosh, why didn't I do this six months ago, you know, or, or a year ago or whatever. So I, I think, and, and, and I see it a lot with, with partnerships too. So, I mean, that's very, very good advice. Um, all righty. We are getting close to the end. Dan, any, uh, another parting question before we finish out? No, I, I think it was a very interesting project. Um, the one thing uh, that, that uh, Ron, you had mentioned that uh, maybe you didn't negotiate as hard as you could for certain points I have another client who bought his partner out and um, he had a friend who was an accountant who told me, oh, you, you can't make this offer for it's too much money. It's too. And I kept telling him, look, you need to get your partner out, whatever it costs. Well, it turns out that he probably overpaid his partner. And that was probably about seven or eight years ago. And since then, he's tripled his company. And so all of the money, it, it just didn't matter. Right. So if 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 you feel the need to, to, to do this transaction, move on it. And, um, you know, uh, you may overpay in some, in some cases, but it may be worth it. Right. I I was going to say the other side of that too is, and this was not in a partnership, but I sold a branch a few years ago. And I remember I was trying to sell to a specific person and the offer was so ridiculous. It pissed me off. I closed communications deal over with that person. You know what I mean? So don't don't be like freaking Rambo rolling in there with a knife either, right? <laughs> I'm gonna take the hill, right? Yeah. I mean, because yeah. that. I mean, be fair about it. Which in your case, Ron, you had a really good clause, which is saying if I make an offer, I got to be willing to accept the counter offer, right? I think that keeps you honest. But for folks out there who may not have that, you know, I, I think Dan's point is an excellent point, which is, hey, you know. Even if it, even if you got to go a little bit over what you think is fair or right, well, in the end, you got to go big picture and look at what what's this doing long term for the business, and and you know, can I triple it? And in this case, it sounds like it worked out really well. So, well, Ron, yeah. you have been a wonderful guest, and and thank you very much for your insight. I think 
our listeners are going to get a lot from this. Partnerships like marriages, you know, ups and downs and bumps and good parts. And, you know, and when, when you have to unwind them, a lot of complexity. But if you, and in your case, kudos to you. You had a great relationship with your partner. It sounds like things went pretty well overall. Yeah, so far. I mean, he still accepts my check once a month. So I guess we're still, I guess we're still going. <laughs> yeah, it away. Yeah, like, oh, that's okay. No. <laughs> no, he still calls and says thank you for the check once in a while. So that's there you go. go. Yeah. yeah no, I, I think, uh, I, think uh, I think it was the right thing to do. I think I, um, uh, I'm in a much better position and, and I think uh, he's better off. He made a good return on his investment. So I think it worked out good for everybody. And that's really all you can hope for is that everybody walks away, you know, happy, wishing yeah. they'd have got a little bit more, but the other person's wishing the same thing. So that's the way it yeah. is. That is, that is. Excellent. Well, Ron, thank you. Uh, Dan, thank you guys. For Appreciate it. All the questions. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been our latest episode with the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. Glad that Ron could join us. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our episodes, please take some time. And, you know, the way that we get paid for this, which, you know, we make so much money. With this, No, we don't. Actually, we don't make any money. But the way it absolutely throws some money in tip jar by giving us a rating or review on Apple, Spotify, whatever way you consume the podcast, they go a long way towards helping out and to let others know about the podcast as well. And with that, I'm signing off. We'll see you all next time. Take care, everyone.